Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Thursday, April 11th. In today's news, Barack Obama's former White House counsel says he's about to get indicted. Jared Kushner and Stephen Miller are on a collision course, and police in Louisiana capture a suspect in the arson of three black churches. But first, the big idea, some breaking news. Ecuador handed over Julian Assange to British authorities today, ending a seven-year saga that has left the controversial WikiLeaks founder holed up in the Ecuadorian embassy in London. Ecuador took Assange in when he was facing a Swedish rape investigation in 2012. Now the country has rescinded his asylum because of, quote, his discourteous and aggressive behavior and for violating the terms of his asylum. British authorities took Assange into custody outside the embassy in London's Tony Knightsbridge neighborhood. The British government has heralded the development, Foreign Secretary Jeremy Hunt saying Assange is no hero and no one is above the law. Now, Sweden dropped its sex crimes inquiry in May 2017. Assange has always denied the allegations. But he faces up to a year in prison in Britain for jumping bail in 2012. And more than anything, he fears extradition to the United States which has been investigating him for espionage, the publication of sensitive government documents, and coordination with Russia. Ecuador's president specifically cited Assange's involvement in WikiLeaks as meddling in the internal affairs of other countries, referring to the leaking of documents recently from the Vatican. Ahead of the U.S. election in 2016, of course, WikiLeaks released tens of thousands of emails that had been stolen from the Democratic National Committee and Hillary Clinton's campaign chairman, John Podesta. U.S. intelligence officials concluded that the cyber hacks were orchestrated by the Russian government at the behest of Vladimir Putin himself. When Bob Mueller indicted 12 Russian military intelligence officers, he charged that they discussed the release of the stolen documents and the timing of those releases with WikiLeaks in order, quote, to heighten their impact on the 2016 presidential election. Now, in the last administration, Attorney General Eric Holder decided against pursuing prosecution of Assange. WikiLeaks has argued it's a journalistic organization, and Holder was concerned that there are thorny First Amendment issues that would set an unwelcome precedent. The Trump administration, however, revisited the question of prosecuting WikiLeaks, and last November, a court filing error revealed that Assange had been charged under seal. We don't know the charges, but what's likely is conspiracy, theft of government property, or potentially violating the Espionage Act, which would be the most serious of the charges. Another hint that Assange was wearing out his welcome with Ecuador came last March, just over a year ago. Officials in Quito cut off his internet access, saying that he'd breached an agreement not to interfere in the affairs of other countries. The embassy didn't specify what exactly Assange had done, but the move came after he tweeted criticism of Britain's assessment that Russia was responsible for the poisoning of a former Russian double agent and his daughter in the city of Salisbury. Ecuador imposed tighter house rules last fall as well. Among the demands were that Assange begin paying for his own medical bills and phone bills. Also, finally, the Ecuadorians wanted Assange to start cleaning up after his cat, who apparently created quite the mess. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, attorneys for former White House counsel Greg Craig said last night that he expects to face federal charges in the coming days in relationship to legal work he did for the Ukrainian government in 2012. 
The expected indictment, which his attorneys call a misguided abuse of prosecutorial discretion, stems from the work Craig did with Paul Manafort on behalf of the Ukrainian Ministry of Justice in 2012. Craig resigned from Skadden Arps, one of the big powerhouse DC law firms, in April 2018 amid a building investigation into whether the firm's lawyers failed to register as foreign lobbyists for these other engagements. Prosecutors have been investigating whether Craig issued false statements to the Justice Department in 2013 as officials begin to make inquiries about its work. In other news related to the cascading investigations, Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin said last night that his department will not meet the deadline set by House Democrats to turn over Trump's tax returns. Attorney General Bill Barr told Congress yesterday that he believes U.S. intelligence agencies conducted, quote, spying on the Trump campaign, a sensational and startling claim that fits with years of Trump messaging. He later tried to walk it back a little bit, but it's a pretty remarkable thing for the nation's chief law enforcement officer to say. And Marianne Trump Berry, the president's sister, is retiring officially as a federal appellate judge in order to end an inquiry into whether she violated judicial rules by participating in fraudulent tax schemes with her family. That's according to the New York Times. And federal investigators in New York have been speaking recently to members of the president's inner circle, including former White House communications director Hope Hicks and Trump bodyguard Keith Schiller. The Wall Street Journal says that the prosecutors in the Southern District of New York are trying to gather more information still on the hush money payments that went to two women who claim to have had extramarital affairs with Trump. Number two, Stephen Miller and Jared Kushner are on a collision course. Miller, the chief domestic policy advisor, is the mastermind behind this week's DHS purge and last week's threat to close the border. But the president's son-in-law is pressing Trump to pursue a more collaborative approach to immigration. The contrast highlights the good cop, bad cop rules on immigration that the 38-year-old Kushner and the 33-year-old Miller now inhabit in the West Wing. Miller continues to push a frustrated president to champion draconian border policies and rhetoric. The two political survivors from Trump's 2016 campaign have emerged as all but untouchable because of their close relationship, in Kushner's case, family ties, with the president. But if Miller represents Trump's id, reaffirming his hardline immigration impulses, Kushner attempts to channel the president's desire to be seen as the consummate dealmaker. So far, though, White House officials say the two have maintained a friendly working relationship, even if they're focused on divergent imperatives. Meanwhile, wait times to enter the U.S. at the southern border have soared to as long as 10 hours because officers have been reassigned to handle the migrant influx. The clogged checkpoints are frustrating bankers, business leaders, and local residents. Even Mexico's foreign minister is angry, calling the reassignment of hundreds of U.S. Border Patrol officers to other parts of the 2,000-mile border a very bad idea. The U.S. immigration system may have finally reached its breaking point amid all the exits from DHS and the lines of migrants arriving at the border. Number three, authorities in southern Louisiana have arrested a suspect in a spate of fires that have burned three black churches in St. Landry Parish since last month. Multiple local media outlets have identified the suspect as a 21-year-old white man who is the son of a St. Landry Parish deputy. Hundreds of investigators have been working around the clock to capture someone who would set places of worship on fire. These blazes have recalled a dark history in our country of domestic terror against black churches. White people burned some churches before the Civil War because they feared slave uprisings, during Reconstruction to reestablish their social dominance, and during the Civil Rights Movement to instill fear. But the black church has persisted and prospered. 
The resiliency and the faith of parishioners in the Pelican State over the past few weeks in the face of Job-like adversity has been downright inspiring. Reverend Gerald Toussaint of Mount Pleasant Baptist Church, which burned to the ground on April 2nd, noted that his congregation is more than 140 years old. But then he pointed out that the church is not that building. The church is the people. If we stay together as a congregation, the church is alive and well, he told the local ABC TV affiliate. We can rebuild the building as long as we stay together. Keep preaching, Pastor. Keep preaching. And that's the Daily 202 for Thursday, April 11th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.